What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Block Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Rushton, and today we will be previewing the Portland Timbers match, the final of the MLS is back tournament. We have somehow made it this far through luck, through skill, through amazing play, whatever you want to say it is, we are here. We are here to preview the game. But before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Cappy's Subs. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099. Or online at cappiessubsfl.com. All one word. Adam, where are they located? Cappies is located at 501 North Orlando Avenue in Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure it's not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review as we will be reading them out on the podcast. And with that, we do not have Daniel yet again. He is busy tonight, unfortunately. So, Chase, how you doing tonight? Doing all right. How are we doing, boys? Good. And Adam, how about yourself? I have read so much about portland today i am ready to talk about them all right let's dive straight into the analysis and the first thing i want to talk about is something that i kind of noticed today as i was looking into our our, kind of run to the final i noticed we haven't played a full strength team yet you go to inter miami rodolfo pizarro was out injured we go to nycfc uh, morales and matrita did not start that game you go to philadelphia they had the red card to Martinez. We go to Montreal. Aruti was taken out of the lineup for some reason. Um, who else? Who, who's after Montreal? LAFC. Obviously don't have Vela. Um, why can I not think of the, the last opponent? Minnesota. Kevin Minnesota. Molina. Kevin Molina was not there. So, Adam, we haven't faced a full-strength team as of yet. Do you think that that's obviously contributed, but now with Portland... We are facing a full strength team. Do you think, uh, how do you think that will affect us? I wouldn't put too much stock into it, to be quite honest. You can only play who's in front of you. And it's not like those teams had bad performances. I mean, Philly still played their game um, and they were able to play. Obviously, Martinez is an important player for them, but they were still Philly. You know, LAFC was still AFC and, and they were looking like the favorites the entire tournament without Vela and we were the only ones who could stop them. Um, other than, ironically, Portland drew them, too. Um, more on that later. Uh, NYCFC, uh, of course, it's a different game without Matrita but then, uh, and Morales, but then they got uh, them back, and, uh, and they still lost, and they didn't get to this point. So, you know, it, you can only play who's in front of you, and we beat everyone who was in front of us except for Philly, and we drew them, and so... I wouldn't dwell on it too much. Those are the kind of things that you think about and can distract you and get in your head, make you doubt yourself. And uh, it's just not a great thing to dwell on. I just want to dwell on it, you know, because like, I don't I don't know. It's like the equivalent of us losing Maurizio Pereira or Nani for a game. And then we go out. I, I think it's had a major impact on us getting this far. Imagine if we played. I mean, I'm not saying we don't win we lose all of the games because one of those players comes in. But I mean, those are key players. And now against Portland, they have their full strength. So I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to be a mental block where it's like, Oh, we've played all these teams easily. And now we go up against Portland and they have their full strength. Are we even capable of beating a full strength team? I don't think that's what it is. I just think it's, it's interesting to note that, that has happened for us literally every single game this tournament until we get to the final. That That's a thing that fans think about, though. I guarantee that this is, doesn't even register on Preha or the team's radar. They are not thinking about this. And rightfully so. And, and also, so some of these players were injured, but most of them still got to play against us. Like, we still had to play against Pizarro in most of the second half. Kevin Molino came in and made an impact. Matrieta came in and made an impact. Rudy got on the field and gave it whatever. Um, LAFC, I think the point is moot because, you know, they had been beating up on everyone up until the point without Vela anyway. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's as 
it's not as if all of these players were out the entire game against us. They just basically came in in the second half of super subs. And, and like El Sino too, for that matter, didn't start, but he still came in and made an impact. So mm, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Now Chase Pereja against Savarese is zero wins, two losses, or no, two draws and one loss. Uh, Again, I don't think that's something that's going to have an impact, but Savarese has seemed to have the better of Pereja and, and their three games against each other. What do you see the, uh, the battle between the... How do you see the battle between the two coaches going? Yeah, like you said, um, that's just kind of too small this, uh, of a sample size, rather, to um, kind of put too much stock into, just because uh, even when uh, they played each other kind of towards the latter years of Pereja's time at, at Dallas... I would argue that Savarese had like a, a, a pretty firmly superior team just in terms of kind of the, the talent in the squad. Um, and, you know, Perea is, is at the manager of a different team, which we've seen that there are some, you know, quality players maybe a bit better than the talent he had at Dallas because, you know, Savarese has only been a manager in the MLS since 2017. So I presume all of those games, unless, you know, the New York Cosmos beat you know, Pareja in like the Open Cup or something like that. I, I presume all those games kind of came 2017 and after. Um, I mean, I, I think the the coaching matchup is interesting. You know, we, we've talked about Oscar uh, and Gio Savarese is is a decent coach as well. Um, you know, he's he's been to like a, an MLS Cup final and things like that. And um, he's done well in, in cup competitions kind of fairly consistently, I would say, in his time. And and, uh, you know, even Portland, you know, we know they have a very good squad and we even kind of line up in a, in a fairly similar way. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to I mean, uh, you know, as every game does, it's going to come down to kind of these minor tactical changes that are going to probably have larger effects on this game because both of these teams are, are pretty good. And, and I would say that both of these teams have a couple areas that uh that one team is kind of better than the other and it's kind of up to who can exploit that and take advantage of of their advantages and and uh you know I, I, looking at the the past games i don't think does as much value but we know that this is maybe even more so than kind of bob bradley versus oscar this is like the most interesting kind of managerial uh kind of head-to-head -head, i guess that we've had thus far in this tournament yeah let's kind of get into the play style of Portland. So, so Adam, do you want to kind of run me through how they like to set up and how they like to play? It's really interesting because I would say they're the most similar team to Orlando City that we've seen so far, and maybe in the league at all. And the the way they play, the the mentality that they play with, uh, the the talent that they have available, the kinds of players uh, you have a few like for likes, honestly, in their squad. You got Diego Valeri is kind of a like for like with Pereira um, when he starts. He's been rested a little bit because he is getting up there in age, but you know he's he's still an ace when he comes on. Uh, you have Blanco is a like for like for Nani. Um, you have um, uh, Diego Chara is a like for like with um, what's the name? Sabas Mendes. <laughs> I cannot believe that I forgot that. Come on, Adam. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, Char's a like for like for Mendez. You uh, and kind of he does a little bit of the Rosso role as well. Uh, you have Williamson, who's a like for like for Urso. It, it's it's pretty scary how similar they match up here, and they like they they like to rely on their midfield a little bit more than we do. In terms of defense, they like to sit those midfielders back and have them break up play a little more, and so they don't ask as much from their wingers in, in terms of tracking back. So they, uh, particularly Blanco and Valeria, like to sit up top, and then once the counter triggers, they're going at it, and they're they're uh, they're playing that combination play that we like. They're playing tiki taka, but they're playing it up higher on the pitch. We like to start ours with Uri uh, in the defensive midfield, and, and even with with our center backs. They like to start their tiki taka basically with Valeri and Chara and Williamson. But Chara and Williamson will push up to meet Valeri, and then Blanco will get involved too. And they like to play it just in front of the 18-yard box, which I've said time and time again is, is the area that gives our defense the most trouble. And they like to create a little bit of space, and they have a lot of good long shot takers. And that's where you see Portland scores a lot of impressive 
shots like just outside the box it's because they take a lot of them and they have the quality on the pitch to hit a lot of them uh particularly i i'm gonna keep saying these names diego valeria and sebastian blanco are studs uh so is jeremy abobase but he's a little more of a direct player and um guy starts with an end and uh and nia i was reading about him early today what's his name oh nia's good Nizgoda. Yeah. Both So both their strikers are a little more direct. I think Nizgoda is uh, actually better in build-up. He's very good in the combination play, too, uh, when he gets in the game. But he's been and a little he can dribble. Direct. He can definitely dribble. Um, they got so much talent up front, and they like to sit that talent up front. And they, they like to have Chara and Williamson press the ball and get pressure and get a turnover and then quick start that attack. So that's how they're going to look to do that. So they're more comfortable... I think that it's uh, not a great matchup for us, honestly, uh, in the current iteration of liking to play out of the back and liking to have possession a little more. They're comfortable without the ball and sitting back and waiting for the, their moment to pressure a midfielder, get that turnover in midfield and get the attack going the other way. And they're going to pepper they're going to pepper the goal with a lot of shots from from like 15 to 25 yards. All right. Very good. A uh, little analysis of of how they play that 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 makes me uh nervous for the game but it makes me understand a lot more what what they like to do and what they don't like to do now chase what would you say uh is the the biggest thing that we may struggle with from portland biggest player biggest the uh biggest area of the pitch maybe that we will struggle with well, I, I think it also partially depends, like like Adam, I think, very well kind of put their play style, but their play style kind of slightly deviates based off of who they start because they haven't really had much of a consistent lineup. Like, Nia's go to start it a bit. We'll probably see a Bobasi start this game. Um, but, like, their kind of most troublesome area for me, um, I would just say, is, is both of the flanks because, you know, Blanco has probably been the best player in this tournament Maybe, you know, Nani's kind of in that conversation as well. And uh, Blanco is uh, just a dynamic and, and fairly versatile player, I feel like, in the way that he plays. Like, you know, he's he is able to play on the left. He's able to play on the right. He's even kind of came center just a little bit. Uh, um, and he's able to take the ball and, and run at defenses and cause problems. He's able to do this kind of quick interplay, and he's able to have these kind of fantastic moments of of you know, whether he hits a strike from 20 yards out or he takes on a man and he finishes well, um, you know, they do well with that. And uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see who gets the start. Like Yimmy Chara has had a hamstring injury. So, you know, they, they might not be, their squad might not be at 100%. Yimmy Chara, Diego Chara's brother, obviously, um, he's their kind of wide man. But they have players who are able to kind of come in and, and deputize well and and Loria is a, is a player that's kind of kind of been fairly impressive. You know, he's definitely not uh, their first choice there, but he's a decent player. And you know, if they want to go with even Polo or something like that, like like they're very. I feel like they're quite good on the wings. They're good with kind of working the ball inside and then creating chances. Um, like like Adam said, they're going to take a lot of shots from kind of fifteen to twenty five yards out, and so they're able to create. Uh, a lot of high quality chances, even if we kind of uh, take into account the fact that they are from outside the 18 yard box. Like if you look at the shot map between Philadelphia and Portland in the previous game, a lot of Philly shots came from pretty much straight on the goal. And obviously that's a higher percentage look. And, um, you know, even if it doesn't fall to a winger, I feel like in their buildup, uh, the ball is either played out uh, wide and like like they're also decent on the counterattack. And, and then they kind of work it inside, whether that be through Valeri, whether that be through Nia's Goda or even like a Bobasi, and then they're able to create chances. And I think a lot of it does kind of come from the wings. Um, and, you know, I think that we have decent fullbacks to be able to counteract that. But, you know, their danger man is definitely right now Blanco. And, and you know, that's he's not the only player that can hurt us. But, you know, their wings in particular, their left side is, is you know, a, a bit of a cause for concern for us right now. Uh, just one more thing that Chase, like, touched on a little bit that I, I forgot to mention is that because they like to throw many throw so many bodies forward and because they take so many shots that are particularly hit hard they're looking for those um those second chance shots where the ball's gonna maybe maybe be right at the keeper but it'll have a lot of pace and spin on it it'll bounce off the keeper and then someone's gonna run onto it and put that ball in the net they've scored several of those in this tournament 
and uh, it's it's an intentional part of their offense. It's not an accident. So we got to look out for that too. All right. Well, on the flip side of what Chase was saying, do you want to give me negatives of something that we can attack Portland with? Well, because they throw so many bodies forward, and because um, they rely on their their central midfielders to do a lot of the pressuring, if we can bypass them, which I think we've shown we're the team in the league that's best equipped to bypass pressing midfielders, um, then we are. Their backline is definitely vulnerable. They have given up five penalties in six games. That is, it five. Yes, you heard me right. Five penalties in six games. Their back line is suspect. Uh, either, um, their fullbacks are decent at getting up, but their uh, their central defenders and, and their fullbacks are not great defenders. Char and Williamson have been great. Their, their back line, not much so. So if you can get past those, those pressuring midfielders, then there's definitely some room for Nani and Pereira and, and Chris to, to make a few fancy moves and get taken down in the box and get a, 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 an 80% look at goal. So I, and, and also just, they're just not great in, in the first place. So, you know, they can just play their game and if they can get past those midfielders, there will be looks on the Portland goal. Yeah. We really need to, we really need to take our chances, uh, which is something we've been talking about all tournament, but this is the final, uh, we're only going to have so many chances, especially against a team. So rigidly set up to, to kind of defend and, and, and stop the opposition from, getting to their defense because I think they know that that's the weak point. So they really try and, and win the ball before it can get in, in defense to, to their defense. And then, you know, they really like to, to attack in those transition opportunities. And I mean, Portland absolutely ran over um, NYCFC because NYC is, NYCFC is a team that likes to have possession. They're a team that likes to attack with the ball on the ground. They don't like to go long ball. Uh, they like to kind of play tiki taka and stuff like that. And, and Portland excel at that. Portland are a team that love to win the ball in the midfield, send bodies forward, and, and put the ball in the back of the net. That's what they did to NYCFC. And then you watch the um, the Philadelphia game, and you're like, wait a second, Portland don't look as dominant now. You want to know why? It's because both of those teams don't like having the ball. Both of those teams, Philadelphia, they are a team that like to do very similar to what uh, Portland wants to do. And that is win the ball in midfield, send bodies forward, and get the goal. And Philadelphia just aren't as good as it as Portland are. And also, Portland's two goals against Philadelphia were off of corners. Both goals were off corners. The first one, the defender falls asleep. Abobase heads the ball pretty easily into the back of the net. And the second one, I think the ball bounced around, and then and then they score off of like a rebound or whatever. And Portland, Actually, the the second one was a, a set play. I think it was. Valeri to um I forget who headed it, but Valeri got to someone at the back post and they headed it to Blanco sitting even further at the back post. Blanco heads it in mm. unmarked. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I remember now. And so they weren't able to create through possession. That's something that they struggled with last season. Do you, if y'all remember we when we played them on the road, uh we kind of basically said you guys have to come on to us. You guys have to create your own chances. Uh, we're not going to push bodies forward and and allow you to do what you want to do. And they really struggled. They really struggled. I think it took uh, either a free kick or, or, or I think it might have been a Valeri cross. And I think even a Bobase was the one who headed the ball in the back of the net. But like they did get that one chance and they did finally get the goal. But they had 20 something plus shots and we had two and we tied them one one on the road. So they aren't a team that is very good at creating chances through their own possession. They are a team that they are going to try and hit us on the counterattack. So I think uh, um, what we can do really strongly in this game is when they have the ball, we make sure we have all of our bases covered and like, and then we press, you know, let's not, let's not go full gung ho, kind of like what Minnesota was doing. Um, we need to, we need to make sure that, that we have our bases covered and, and they aren't going to, get past our press because then that's where Portland excel. And that's where I'm kind of nervous there. Uh, Adam, would you agree with that? Yes. Um, I would agree with that. And I, that's, I think exactly what Preha is going to try to do is instead of that, that high press to begin the game, like he's been doing, which he's sh- shown flexibility in coming off that when it's not the right, right time to do it. Um, 
and that's just not the best strategy to to play Portland. And I, I hope that I, I have confidence that Preha will recognize that as he has a a far better eye for the game than any of us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I I agree one hundred percent that we need to we need to set in our defense, and we've been very good at preventing counters. Uh, yes. This entire tournament, we've talked on the show before. The way we play doesn't present itself to giving up many counter opportunities, and I think that's gonna. I think that's the reason that that I think uh, Savarese might have been hoping that they got Minnesota instead of Orlando because Minnesota would 100% leave themselves open like that. Uh, and and Inchi's system, as much as I love Inchi, I don't think that Preha is gonna do that as much. All right, now, Chase, you did mention earlier that they have rested some players. They have changed their system up a bit. A bit. They have changed their system up a bit. Um, and Gio Savarese has shown a capability to, to change his system uh, based on his opponent. So we've talked about how they, they like to play, sort of, but how do you think they will set up? Like, what do you think their tactics will be? Ooh. Well... I think that something that kind of greatly affects the way that they play is whether or not um, they start Nia's Goda because I, I think when they have, uh, you know, a Bobasi up front who's been a, a, a pretty prolific striker and he's by no means, like, awful in build-up play. It's just not really something that he excels at. Like, like Nia's Goda is actually a very good player, like, in, in most facets of his game. Like, he's able to... Uh, drop a little deeper he's good with these kind of like deft touches uh in order to kind of keep the play and the tempo up kind of quick um and you know he's he's a good finisher as well like he has a good scoring record like uh gavin you've talked about it before or maybe you've just like talked about it to us in like the group chat or whatnot like nice is like a really good player and and um mm. yeah we... uh, very impressed with nice goda he's got a great scoring record yeah 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 and if if he's in i think that the striker is going to be a lot more involved in build-up play um and if a bow is in, I think that they kind of go to a more direct style uh, where maybe they, they don't necessarily play long ball by any means. Like, I don't really think that that's their style, but they're not afraid to maybe kind of just be direct and try to get it into the striker and, and create goal scoring chances from there rather than, you know, letting the striker kind of drop a little deeper, trying to dictate from the wings and, and things like that. And, you know, I, I think that we're going to see a bow and um, Abobasi is a bit more prolific. Like he he's not like you know I'm I'm not trying to like say Abobasi isn't a player that is capable of you know beating a man or, or, or things like that. Like he's not particularly a poacher because I think that's a mischaracterization of his skill set. But he's definitely a player that does well to find space and and is is a, a good and, and capable finisher and, and he takes uh, advantage of defensive errors uh, and his stock has risen because of that in this tournament and. Um, you know, where we might see a little bit of a, a change in the play style is actually in the kind of the, the second half where they they oftentimes make an awful lot of substitutions. And that's something that uh, I'm probably going to talk about for the key to the game. But they'll, they're able to bring on, you know, like Polo. They're able to bring on maybe it'll be Yimmy Char, maybe it'll be Diego Valeri, depending on kind of who's healthy and what lineup they go to. It'll be Nia's Gota as well. And when they do that, when they have fresh legs, they're able to kind of even – maybe pick up the tempo just a little bit more and and uh, try to create chances through quicker build-up play rather than just being a completely direct team that might look to Blanco. Uh, they might rely on him a little bit more and just kind of that left side in general. So, um, yeah, like, like initially we're probably going to see a Portland team that is perfectly fine with kind of maybe counterattacking just a little bit and then, and then working it into a Bobasi and then, in the latter half, we're going to probably see a bit of a, an uptick in tempo and them wanting to get on the ball more and create this kind of tiki-taka style, as you guys have talked about. So um, it's something that we're going to have to adjust to and, and adapt in-game, and we're going to have to, you know, be prepared to, to uh, you know, we're going to have to look at the lineup and be prepared to kind of maybe make minor tweaks in there, and as the game goes on, we're going to have to stay on our toes and, and adapt as well. And Adam, uh, how would you like to see us set up? So we've obviously set up the same in terms of of um, players, basically, and in terms of overall, similar to what I was saying to to Chase, tactics, outside tactics. But we again have made little tweaks here and there. How would you? What little tweaks would you like to see made? 
Yeah, I would like to see Nani and Chris play a little deeper. Uh, and almost, I think this could be a Tesho game. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that uh, a little more. Um, but I would like to see, because we don't want to give Portland counterattacking opportunities, that means going pretty slow, to be honest, and being very careful about buildup. And that means you need to have a lot of options in front of, of their defenders. And so we're going to need Chris and Nani, and Pereira always drops back. Yeah, that's not a problem. But we need Chris and Nani to drop back, both to be available on defense and to be available as options when playing in the midfield, not necessarily prepping uh uh, pressing up as much. And so Tesho is going to need to be an outlet, not in the way that Benji is an outlet when he plays, but he's going to need to be a hold-up outlet. And he's going to need to uh, find space in front of the Portland defenders, uh, in front of their back line, and hold up the ball so when we can break their press, and the ball can immediately go to Tesho. He can hold it for three, four, five seconds, and he can look to reset the attack in the, in their, in the final third. Uh, rather than playing around in the midfield or or in, in our defensive third. And that's going to be key to transitioning past their ability to counter, in a sense. So I would like to see us set up with with an emphasis on playing into Tesho and then out of Tesho, and then maybe up the wings a little bit and then trying to crash the box from the other side with a little bit of misdirection. So if you, see, if you imagine... We're knocking around in the middle of the park. Uh, Pereira gets the ball, sees an opportunity, gets it. Tesho, Tesho gets it. He runs in front of the defenders. He has five yards of space. He keeps the center back off the ball, and then everyone rushes forward. He passes out to Chris Mueller. Chris Mueller gets it up to Juan. Nani and Urso are crashing the box from the other side. Juan puts it across. That's where the goal comes from. That's the ideal. And then Tesho goes to the near post channel. That's the ideal, I think, kind of attacking setup that we're going to need to play with. The one thing I want to see us do, and by the way, that bo- that goal would be mwah, gorgeous. But um, the the idea, or not the idea, the one thing that I want to see is something we saw in the was it the it was the Philadelphia game. I want to see late runs into the forward areas from Mendez. I think that just that fifth attacker. And I know that leaves us open to counterattacking opportunities, but I think that fifth late run, kind of like the Aaron Ramsey role that we talked about on that podcast, I think that will be too much for them to cope with. Their back line is not amazing. Yes, they have Diego Chara and Williamson is also a, a very solid midfielder next to Chara. But I think just that little extra bit of chaos could be the key. And, and honestly, I don't know if we're going to do it. I think Perea is going to be very cautious this game. Obviously, it's a final. Both teams are going to feel this game out. And it'll probably be a very slow start. But um, I would like to see us send Mendez forward and maybe even, you know, maybe give Mendez the first 70 minutes. And then, you know, it's probably going to be a very tight game by the 70th minute still. So you send in Urso and maybe it's 1-1 or still 0-0 at that time. And then you ask Urso to do that job as Urso has shown that he is capable of you know, going into attacking areas and, and at least affecting them up there. So I uh, I, I think we need to have a, a midfielder uh, making late forward runs um, into their box. Uh, let's get into our keys to the match. And Chase, I'm going to start with you. So what was your key to the match? So, yeah, I, I kind of touched on it before, but my key to the match is just going to be um, kind of managing and adapting to uh, – any late game substitutions that they're going to to make and and whether that is kind of like uh, focusing on, you know, keeping the fitness up uh, throughout the game or or something like that, or Oscar Pereja kind of uh, bringing in an extra defender or or swapping out like a fullback, because I think that's where they're going to hurt us from the wings. Like Portland have like an awful lot of, of quality substitutions. Like, and you know, we kind of talked about how they have, haven't really had much of a consistent lineup, but Polo has made appearance off the bench and, and he scored like a fantastic goal and he even kind of looked dangerous against Philadelphia. And, you know, whether it's Nia's Goder or Bobasi that's going to be available off the bench, you know, they're quality players as well. You know, Valeri or Yimmy Chara, you know, uh, Yimmy Chara, when he starts, that normally kind of is meant that Valeri will make a cameo off the bench or maybe Loria as well. Um, and, and like a stat that I kind of want to focus on is like, uh, in the in the knockout stages, 
three of six port uh three of six goals for Portland, excuse me, have have come from substitutes. So that shows that they kind of heavily rely off impact from the bench. And you kind of compare that to of our five goals from the knockout rounds, only one of them have come from the bench. And that was of course Benji versus Minnesota. And and Benji had a lot to do there, but you know, there was practically no back line and, and he was through on goal. So it's it's kind of to a, a varying degree. Um, well, didn't Acton Dele score off the bench against NYCFC? Uh, don't believe he did. so. Oh, Come on, Chase. He did. Takes exposed. exposed. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Because Dwyer got injured that game. 60th yeah. minute gets pulled off. And then he uh, he scored the... the Benji Michelle shoots. Oh, wait. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. I, I don't know if I... I think I said this for Portland, but I'm also talking about... like I'm kind of just talking about the knockout rounds here. Mm, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Like, Fair enough. Um, that might that that might be kind of kind of arbitrary, but yeah, like like a lot of our goals have come from Nani. You know, Zhao scored, uh, Tesho scored in in the in the Montreal game, and and uh, you know Benji is a quality player, but we've talked about kind of issues with depth and and players coming off the bench that are consistent threats to score. And Portland is, you know, they have that in spades. Like they have that in excess almost. Like. I haven't even really mentioned all of their players. Like they also have like Felipe Mora, who hasn't been great for them thus far, but he's had a pretty consistent scoring record in Mexico in his previous career and uh, his previous years. Um, you know, they they can just hurt us, and and with the five substitutions, they they use that to their advantage. And uh, you know, f- um, we're gonna have to adapt to that. And our, our back line is is gonna probably have you know fresh legs running at them for for ninety minutes, and it's all about kind of how we respond there, and uh, you know whether we take a more defensive approach which I don't think we should or, or um, you know if we kind of try to counteract that with you know Perea's come in and done well and, and maybe kind of have him drop a little bit deeper I don't know but you know their subs have been a very key part to their game and they've they've been the benefactor of, of it and they've scored a lot of goals off the bench so that's something that we're going to have to manage and you know we maybe been able to match teams for fitness later in the game but we're going to have we're going to have fresh legs running at us for, for the entire game, pretty much like I just said. And it, it's going to be tough. And it's going to be, uh, to me, it's going to be kind of the thing that decides this game, how we uh, how we are able to respond in, in the last maybe 30 minutes of the, of the full-time period. And, you know, if we don't do it well, they're going to be able to score, you know, two or three goals in that time. Or, you know, and if we do well, that's that's going to be what wins us the game in my mind. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it last episode. We do not have a ton of depth, and then that's something that's made me nervous, and we have to bring in two to three more players in the attacking in the attacking third of the pitch if we want to have the depth that is necessary for us to have a very, very good attack. And also, I think you're spot on. We, we need to be able to finish this game off before 50, I wouldn't say 50, maybe 75th minute where our legs are going to start getting tired uh, we have one day less rest than them. Uh, we've had the mo- more rest than everybody else in this tournament uh, this thus far. And now we have one day less. And they are the deeper squad. So it, it's it's going to be a struggle. I, I was kind of hoping... Um, when did we play? Thursday? I was kind of hoping Pereja gave the boys two days off, if I'm being honest. Uh, Friday and Saturday. I was hoping that we did not train. I don't know if that's what happened. I doubt that's what happened. He probably did the the one day off that they've been doing and then train um, Sunday and Monday and then probably Tuesday morning. But uh, yeah, I, I was kind of hoping that we get two days off just to, to make sure those legs are as fresh as possible. They all know the tactics. They're not going to get rusty on a, on a second day break, second day of rest because, I mean, we've been playing the same squad and we don't have a lot of options. And yes, we've done five subs, but those subs have been coming late 70 early 80 minutes i mean these players are getting a ton of minutes under their belt whereas portland they can take off a bobasay in the 60th minute or they can start nice gota and have a bobasay off and and have those fresh legs uh for for bobasay so if if he needs to be on the pitch a little bit longer he has that capability whereas both Pereira and nani when they're coming off the pitch at the end of last game they're looking sick almost they're looking like they're going to throw up so we need to have this game one you know, early or as early as possible. Obviously, everybody wants every single game one as early as possible, but it's very important that we don't we don't allow them to still be, you know, trying to claw back into the game 
while there's still 20 minutes on the clock and they can make five subs and and they can all be senior players that can hurt us. I think that would that would be very dangerous. It's also something that like, you know, in the Minnesota game, it was from the 80th minute onward. I think it was kind of a pretty nervy game like Mason Toy scored, obviously. Um, and, or maybe that was in like the 75th minute, but, you know, kind of late game period and Mason Toy scored and, and he had another clear opportunity that he probably should have put away. And, and I think that was in no small part to the introduction of Kevin Molino. So it has, it's been something that we've kind of struggled with to, to adapt to and to respond to. And, you know, Portland aren't going to leave those chances out there. Like if we rely on, uh, you know, just late game winners, like we did against LAFC or, or, or ties to put us, put us into pens or something like that, or, or, you know, like if we don't get this game kind of kind of wrapped up, it, it's it's not going to be as easy as it has as it has been before. And we can't just kind of rely on on luck and, uh, you know, a tired back line to get us through it because it's it's not going to be enough. All right, Adam, what's your key to the match? So I already hinted at it uh, and I guess I'll explain a further why I think that the Tesho centric play will be so important. And my key is Tesho being in that hold up role. Um, and why I think this is so important, and y'all uh, did a fantastic job entering my point, which is we need to get out of a neutral situation. Portland's very well equipped to play Orlando City in a new- neutral, either either a neutral or positive situation where the score is tied or they're in the lead. And so we need to play as much as possible in the lead and make Portland chase the game because that's what they're not equipped to do. Yep. And Portland is very good when they're comfortable and they struggle when they're not. Same thing with Philly. Um, same thing with Philly. It's not a mentality thing. It's just a, that's the way they play, and their style of play doesn't translate well to chasing a game, and they rely on their quality and their quick strike ability to not chase games very often. And so if we can keep that defensive solidity and then get that, that transition to play into Tesho and then transition our attack and get a goal in the first half, or, or even two, it could be... Well, if we get if we get the first goal and then Portland starts chasing the game, then it's going to open them up a lot because their back line's not good. Five penalties in six games. It's going to open them up a lot. And we know that Orlando is going to let the game come to them and press at those right times. And they're not going to get scared by by Portland. They're not scared of LAFC coming at them. They're not scared of Portland coming at them. Sorry. Portland's great. LAFC's attack is better. Uh, and so if we get Portland chasing the game and throwing bodies forward without uh, waiting for it to be a counter-attacking opportunity, then they're going to open themselves up, and then we're going to able, be able to pile it on, or at least we're going to be able to have dangerous possession and keep them pinned on their heels and not let them chase the game with effectiveness. Yeah, and we so have to be in control. We have to control the game, and, and so we have to break through in that neutral situation. And in that neutral situation, the only, I, I, the only other than maybe getting up on the wings and getting across in and getting lucky, but the only way I, th- I see really intentionally getting good chances with consistency without exposing ourselves is having that central buildup into Tesho and then letting the attack transition from there after we're out of counterattacking danger. So that's why, that's why that central buildup through Tesho is going to be my key to the match in early neutral situations. All right. My key is similar to yours, but a little bit different. We need to have smart possession. And this has been my key before not allowing counterattacks, but we also need to have dangerous possession, uh, similar to the buildup play that we saw against NYCFC against Philadelphia early on in the game. We had, and against Montreal, we had one touch buildup play. That was beautiful. That was, that was impossible to cover. Uh, and, and we almost, we, we should have scored, uh, a couple goals. I mean, even against um, Minnesota, uh, we had great build-up play. Moutinho gets in through the left-hand side, puts a cross in, and Juan's header goes out for a throw-in. I mean, we should have scored there. I mean, I I believe Juan was offside, so it doesn't really matter um, now that I remember. But, like, again, we have moments of brilliant build-up play. And we need to see that this game. And we need to have dangerous possession because Portland are a team that don't want the ball. You know, every every single team that's like this, when they get the ball, th- sometimes they won't make it obvious where when they get it, they'll just give it right back to you. They'll, they'll obviously try and score through their own possession, but they're not good at it. 
they're, they're not. It's just like Philadelphia. They're not good at creating chances through their own possession. So they're going to go up the field, and then we're going to take it off them. And more likely than not, we're just going to look to keep possession and keep slow possession like Adam has referenced earlier. We need to go up the field smartly, not give the ball away in the midfield like Mendez did against LAFC. I know it was a slip, but he was isolated. He didn't really have anybody near him, and he loses the ball. Diego Rossi runs up the field, puts in the cross, and uh, BWP puts in the back of the net. We cannot see that this match. We absolutely cannot see that this match at all. We need to be smart with our possession. We need to be compact. We need to... We need to show and, and, and be there for our teammates. And that's something Maurizio Pereira has been great at. That's something that Tesho Akindele can do. And that's why Adam has highlighted him for this game. But then we need to get the ball to the wings, make those one-twos with Juan and, 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 and Mueller and Moutinho and Nani, get in behind and put those balls into the box and get a goal off of a cross. I mean, how many times are we going to get in dangerous positions and, and not find somebody in the box? I mean, it seems like Juan and Moutinho just keep getting into those positions, and then the 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 runs are not to the near post, or they're they're, they're we're just inches away from the ball. And I mean, Mueller's had a chance where he he missed a, a wide open net, and and Dwyer trips over the ball, and just we we need to see everything that we've been working on in this tournament come together through our own possession, and we've seen it once before in NYCFC. We need to see it again in this game, and. The last thing I want to say about this is one thing that has also worked for us is switch switching play. So uh, switching from mainly right to left. Uh, we saw it with, with Nani. Uh, Mendez gets the ball, crosses the field to, to Nani, who's in the left half space, cuts in, scores a banger. Um, but also against Montreal and against uh, Minnesota, a lot of our best attacking moves came from having the ball on the right, Moving it to the left, the other team has to then shift, and we 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 move the ball fast enough that it is very hard, and then it is very hard to shift, and then that leaves the the other team isolated, and you know it, it's it's Hassani Dotson versus Nani and Moutinho, and Moutinho makes the inverted run, and and just overall switching play, being dangerous in possession is going to be our key to winning this match. Adam, what is your prediction for the match? Real quick. Uh... Oh, about a quarter of their defensive contributions come from Chara and Williamson, which is why I, I think I definitely agree with you that we need to get a goal from across because Juan, Moutinho, Nani, and Mueller are going to be able to get in great positions against the fullbacks, especially if they don't have to deal with one of those defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. So I think those are going to be our best assist positions. Getting end lined uh, right on the edge of, of the box is going to be uh, a place where we can get effective crosses in and then crash the box with uh, with three attackers coming in through from the other side. That's going to be so ideally get into Tesho, switch the play, crash the box from the opposite side, get end line, get across it. If that's the case, do you would you start Urso with his height and and late runs into the box? No, I think you you keep the met the hot hand Mendes. Mendes. Okay, because you know those late like you said those late runs could be very effective too. Mm-hmm. I, I think you go hot hand in a tournament. In yeah. in a regular season when the stakes are lower, then I could see uh, I could see Urso getting a spot back. But hot tournament, you go hot hand. My prediction for the last time, I will say, no matter what ha- happens, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start making real predictions in the regular season. For the last time, one 0 Portland, Sebastian Blanco gets the goal. Yeah, we won the championship. <laughs> Chase prediction. Not to the same extent, but I feel like I've had a bit of a reverse curse of what Adam is going, where I've at least predicted a victory, and we've come out the winners every time. Mm. And I, I've actually, this, this this game I've kind of struggled to predict. Like, for some reason, I can't really even explain why I've had a little bit of a nervous feeling about it, and more so than the previous games, even more so than maybe the LAFC game. But It's because Portland's good. <laughs> yeah, Portland are very good, and they can definitely hurt us. But I... I think if you look at a lot of the underlying numbers, it kind of favors us as a team. Like, I think we create really quality chances, and I think Portland have been quite uh, lucky to not concede more than they have. Like, they, they've they done kind of well all throughout the group stage. I don't even know if they've given up more than a goal uh, in any of their games, and, and sometimes they were kind of more down to keeper error than anything or, or something to that extent. And um, 
I think that we're going to be able to kind of exploit them. Like, I don't particularly rate their back line, but I think that their attack is probably a decent amount better than ours, but we're just kind of solid all throughout, more so than they are. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that they're definitely going to score. Hmm. You know what? I'm actually going to say that it'll be a score draw, probably like 2-2, because I think that there's goals in this game. And then I think we go to Pens again, and I think that we win it. Yeah, I'm having a very similar feeling. Uh, Chase, what are you Chase trying is... to give me a heart attack? <laughs> yeah, I know there's some drama in that. Again? Right <laughs> yeah. I, Come on, I, man. I mean, I told you I cried. Like, I'm not emotionally prepared for another penalty kick shootout, but... I don't think my neighbors, and I don't have, like, next-door neighbor. They're, like, across the street. I don't think my neighbors be prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, yeah, just... I had a very similar feeling actually against Minnesota and I knew, I, I knew that they are, their game plan paid, played perfectly into our hands, hitting them on the break. They like to do high. They're, they're going to come out really fast, high press, and, and we'll be able to play through that. And we actually weren't able to 100% successfully play through that, but I was just so nervous that like I knew Minnesota could hurt us. They have goals in their game and they didn't really even look too dangerous other than playing in perfection in terms of the balls they were putting through. Um, so so Minnesota just, I knew they were dangerous, and I, I thought that we would struggle to cope with it, but we coped great with it. And I'm kind of on in this, the same crossroads again with Portland. Um, they, they have the capability to hurt us, but we have shown time and time again that we are able to, to stop it. So part of me wants to go 1-1, and we go to penalties, and we win, and... Pedro Galese saves Diego Valeri's penalty and he makes himself a hero. But I think there's a very real possibility we come out of this one no winners. And it's going to be a very slow start to the game. I, I don't think it's going to be somebody scores in the first 20 minutes. I think it's going to be both sides feel their way into the game. And both sides are going to be very cautious. It's going to be a final. But I think we win one nil. And I, I guess Nani because he's Nani and he wins MVP. So that's my prediction for the game. Uh, but that is it for... Part one, we will get to your questions in part two right after this. Allá está Gaspar peleándola, pero no pudo. Salió Nani de primera y de cabeza para Urso. Urso que la va poniendo para el arranque a toda velocidad. Y se viene Miller y va a ser, 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 y va a ser. ¡Gol! De Orlando. Señoras y señores. No va más. Ganó Orlando 3 a 1 a Minnesota. Tiempo ya cumplido. Heath debe entender que no le da el tiempo para otra cosa. Se terminó la final. Timbers frente al Orlando City. All right, and we're back in part two where we're going to answer your questions from Twitter. And the first one comes from at one leg, one man. He says, who's the player, not named Blanco, we need to lock down? They feel it's Valeri. So, Adam, who do you think? I would tend to agree. Um, I think Valeri starts. It's a cup final. And uh, what we really haven't touched on is uh, actually that Portland's been kind of outplayed their talent under Savarese in cups. Uh, they've gotten pretty far in the Open Cup, uh, I think, twice under him. And they've won, or no, they got to an MLS Cup final. And really in none of those competitions were they favorites to like get very far. And yet there they were like kind of at the end. And here it is happening again. And Valeri is a big part of that. And Diego Char is a big part of that. And along with Blanco, because I think those three are honestly on the same level. They're old studs, but in one match, it really doesn't matter if they're old, right? Over the entire season, we could see them regressing and not playing up to the the continual standards that they used to, but in one game that uh, their quality can shine through. Uh, we've seen Nani have a masterclass uh, against Minnesota. Uh, we could see a Diego Chara just take over the midfield. We could see Valeri popping in assists and long goals. We, we've seen Blanco pretty much take over the tournament for them. Um, they have some individual talent to be respected and even a little bit scared of as fans. I don't think the team should be scared, but you know, we could definitely say, oh, I hope that Valeri doesn't destroy us. Um, yeah, I think it's those three. Uh, they're getting on in age, but the skills don't fade, man. And 
And those skills can give any defense trouble, even if ours has been particularly solid. All right, Chase. Um, this one is from at Adrian underscore Viveros. He says, do you think we will be able to break the MLS curse of being favored to win by 538? <laughs> oh, man, I wish I knew that before my prediction because I would have I would have said we were like three no losers. But I, I don't well, what is is 538? It's like a betting website or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, they uh Five thirty eight is an analytics is an analytics website that uh, mainly does sports and politics. So they they do a lot of uh, numbers. A, yeah. yeah, A, I definitely think that we can. But B, it's like well, this website has been like heinously wrong. I feel like throughout this entire tournament, excluding this one right here. Like I think this one's all money. But like when we got into that group stage, like I think we've already talked about it. But that shit was like incredible. Like. I mean, LAFC were predicted to win, which I, I think is, like, fair enough. But they didn't have some of, like, the hottest teams in the tournament in here. And, and no, they don't have either of the finalists. So, like, shoot. Wasn't Columbus, like, not even Yeah, Columbus on wasn't the there. List? I mean, we weren't there, which I guess is fair enough, particularly if they're looking at, like, previous season statistics. Like, we don't deserve yeah, That's either. exactly what they were doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I can see that. But, like, I don't think Portland was there either. I think once we got to the I, – I, NYCFC was there, which – I guess NYCFC was able to move on and, and do all right in this tournament. Barely. But yeah, like, 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 and, you know, they got. They took the Houston and Galaxy draw or Houston losing. Or I think yeah, it was a like draw. They, they were able to move on, I think, with like three points and like they're the luckiest team to get on. So I guess it is all just down to freaking previous seasons. Like this website is just dumb. But this one's money. Orlando all the way. MLS is back. The biggest trophy in the world. We're about to be champions. Let's go. <laughs> all right uh last question at ridner jonathan says and this one's gonna start with you adam but we'll have a decent little conversation about this let's talk about the possibility of fans in the stadium in a recent poll 46 percent of orlando city fans voted in favor of going while the rest said no should we go to the stadium question mark and then he says what safety measures should be in place well it all depends on the safety measures right uh, I I don't think that anyone can make a definitive or accurate uh, judgment or come up with an answer, a total answer to this question until we know exactly what safety measures. Uh, I am a believer in masks. Um, and, and that's not to say that I think we should pack 25,000 in there with masks. But I believe that if the country's not going to go into total lockdown and just take, like, kind of sacrifice the month that it would take to totally eradicate this uh and we've seen that even though that might be the best idea in theory that's just not what is going to happen with the way that united states culture is and that's not to be agreed or disagreed with personally and what you want to happen that's just how we are as a society and it is a fact that the way that our decisions are made as to how our social norms are constructed, a lockdown like that isn't something that we are capable of deciding to do. Again, this is not political. I want to make that 100% clear. It's not political. It's just who we are. And so once you come from that, then you decide how much of quote-unquote normal life you want to happen until... Uh, circumstances changed and we can get back to a place where COVID is not as much of a threat as it is right now. And so you have to look at what precautions we can take. We can do um, reduced capacity. We can do social distancing enforced in the seats. Obviously, I, I think that you would have to close all concessions as to limit people in the concourse, uh, maybe like close the water fountains too. I don't know if that's like a health code thing. Would you also. close the wall? Uh, yes, I would close the wall. Yeah. You have to. There's no mm -hmm. way to police that. And I am someone who loves being a part of the wall when I go, and that deeply pains me. But you have to do it because you have to keep everyone safe. And so th some things that I would suggest are um, – and obviously pre-match festivities would be limited too. You can't have like the main street celebrations and the food trucks and the pre-parties the pre like, like everyone likes to do. 
it's going to be very much a you go to the match, you stay in your spot, and you go home, which it's going to be so weird, right? Uh, and, and so, and it, but that what that does do is it gives you extra time that people would use celebrating it uh, before a match. It gives you time to do pre-screening measures, so you can have those long social distance lines, or maybe kind of like um, you know when you get on an airplane, you have boarding groups, you like you have entrance group like 16 and you go with maybe just your group of tickets and you get screened like a temperature screening maybe you have to go through like a a sanitizing spray i I think like the videos we've seen of like japanese school kids like going into school like they have these like this little um screening area that they go through to to just like and if someone has a red flag like they take them away immediately and and maybe like there's got to be some like fine print in there that says like if you fail the screening you'll get a refund but you can't enter the stadium you know sucks but sorry this is what it's gonna have to be i think that in the stadium obviously with a reduced capacity how you can do social distancing is is you can buy tickets and obviously you have to enforce masks for everyone uh that's the that's the number one thing in my opinion but what you can do is you can sell tickets like you can buy a group of tickets like say you and three friends want to go you buy a group of four tickets and your group of four tickets is for uh, you know you always get your your seat your section your seat your row um and then once you buy those tickets then a a certain radius of seats around you cannot be sold anymore and that's how they're gonna they're gonna do it they're gonna organize like this section is on sale and then the radius around that section is not and then there's a, another section on sale and then, you know, and that way you have like little pockets of fans throughout the stadium. You can still go with your family or friends and, and you can still like see other people in the stadium, but that way no one's particularly close to anyone that they d- wouldn't already have contact with. Um, so I think, I think that's, if you were going to do it, that's how I would do it in my opinion. And obviously they're going to do studies and pay people who are, experts in this field that didn't just come up with something off the top of their head uh, to come up with uh, the best solution for them. Um, And then there are also people that will say, no, it's not safe under any circumstances. Don't go to the stadium. That's perfectly valid. I'd also say um, close off, like do not allow the first two seats next to the end um, of a row, you know, because people do walk up and down the stairs and if you close off those two seats, nobody's sitting on the ends. And so you're not even giving that a chance. I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. It's a, it's a big stadium. Um, and, you know, you, you take the correct precautionary measures and you can get the fans in there. I also think season ticket members need to have priority. If they've, if they've been paying their season tickets, they need to be able to choose first. Because they haven't really had... Like imagine if you're a season ticket member and and you've done your 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 season ticket. Like Daniel's already paid his off, and they're selling tickets to to the public. And you you I don't know you're a day late or something, and all of a sudden it's oh well sorry uh, the the five thousand or whatever capacity is full. You can't go. Like you know we need to take care of our season ticket members. They're the the ones helping the club stay stay afloat. Um, Chase, any thoughts on this? Any thoughts on the us possibly opening up the stadium to fans? Yeah, I mean, I'm personally, like, not really, you know, I, I've talked about it before just, like, in general life, but, like, I'm not really going to tell people what I think that they should do pertaining to this issue anymore because at the end of the day, people are just going to do what they're going to do. But I just, like, I know that this question is asking more broadly, but I was just going to ask you guys, like, say, you know, they are going to keep at least like social distancing measures, like pretty much what you guys have talked about before and masks were mandatory, whether or not they're going to be so strictly enforced. Because sometimes at like USL games, I've seen a couple of clips where there are are people like not wearing masks, like sometimes like they're quite close to other people and they're kind of posing, posing a risk. And and, and that's a possibility, though. It might not be, um, you know, it could be pretty strictly enforced, but Knowing all this and all this that you guys have talked about, like, would you feel comfortable going to a game like Adam and, and Gavin, just knowing the risks that are involved? Would you feel comfortable going to a soccer game or an Orlando City game for that matter? Personally, I've been out to restaurants. I've been out grocery shopping. I've been working. I've just gone back to work. Uh, 
I know that I'd be able to hold up my end of the bargain, keep away from everybody, keep my mask on, and I would feel comfortable with it. Um, yeah. I don't know about like... you, Adam, but I, I would be. Yeah, I mean, I do the nature of my work. I don't have the option to not be around people. I guess I do, but then I would be not making any money for the past few months, and that would also not be great. Um, <laughs> you know, go America. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we're all young people, and we're not particularly at risk. Uh, obviously, I don't know y'all's uh, health situations, nor do I need to. Um, but our demographic is not... One, like if you get it, it's gonna suck for a few weeks, but we're not likely to die. Um, of course, not likely still means it could happen. Um, but if we take the proper precautions, and, and again, it is a personal choice, uh, whether or not to do this. Um, I think I would, I miss it so much. And if I felt comfortable with the, the precautions in place, and obviously, I know that I'm capable of keeping social distance and wearing a mask. And, and in my opinion, it's not much more of a risk than going to Publix or whatever. Um, in fact, it might be less of a risk than going to Publix if they do keep the proper precautions. Yeah, and so if it's, if it's something that's like, you know, I, and I've talked before about, uh, I think on our culture episode or whatever, like when this first started, about how essential sports are. And when I said they were essential for our culture and our way of life, even though if we might not necessarily need them to breathe or, or live uh, biologically. We all love this team and we all love going to these games. And it's been a significant part of our life that we've missed dearly. And if there's a way to get some of that back, I think there's value in that. And there's, there's value in, you know, just getting, getting a taste to tightest over until, you know, it's fully back again. And, and if if that's something that you need to risk being around other people to do, that's something that you weigh for yourself. Um, but I think for for me, I think it might be worth it. For others, it might not be worth it. And I, I don't think that we can particularly judge anyone for that, uh, provided that they're do, taking the precautions to make it as safe as possible and not taking any unnecessary risks. Um, and particularly those one that would put others in danger. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, especially with the, the drive-ins as well, like I've already gone to one of those and, you know, I think that that is equal as risk to the people there for like transmission. If somebody is sick to, to this kind of thing. So to a lesser extent, I think that we've already kind of seen a reopening of, of fan attendance, you know what I'm saying? So it's already kind of started and it's already kind of been happening, at least in Orlando. That That's a really good point because let's be realistic. People are getting out of their cars at those drive-ins we've seen from the video. I seriously doubt everyone is wearing a mask there and it's kind of hard to enforce. Um, and, and if people are outside the cars, even if the cars are parked, like that's still like 10 feet away-ish, you know? Orlando mm. City can manage that inside their stadium. And I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Um my friends and I have uh, at times we've been in attendance and well, it's not so good. Stadium's a little empty. Maybe we go down a few rows, try to get some better seats, you know, and uh, the stewards have uh, been pretty good at getting up on top of us. Uh, uh, and so, uh, Orlando city's in stadium security is pretty good. Yeah. They are serious about that. And um, I think if they can manage 25,000 fans, they can manage 5,000 fans. And they can definitely enforce those masks, especially if they have like disposal masks with all the stewards. If they have like a pack of disposable masks and they see someone out without one, they're like, here, have a mask, you know? And then if, if it goes from there, then, then other measures can be taken. But, you know, I feel like they could control that environment inside the stadium much better than at the driving parties. Yeah. Overall, I mean, I think it's probably in terms of like, the virus i think the best idea obviously would be to not have the games but i think it's already kind of started so you know if it must be done and you know people like you said love this team i think it's you know it's just it's it's definitely gonna happen probably i think at this point at, at least for orlando like we're one of the only teams that have said that we're open to the possibility and and if we're allowed i think it's it is gonna go through all right well that should just about do it um 
Please don't hesitate to let us know your predictions on the Portland match. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. Do the survey linked in the description. And Chase, where can our listeners find you at? You can find me on Twitter at VamosOCSC and on Instagram at ChaseWCrowley. And Adam. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KosherTacoTruck. All right. Well, we've got a big final coming up. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Here, Nani gets in behind. Here's Nani with a chip. It's 1-1.